Praise the Lord. Welcome to our broadcast today. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. This is our Bible study called Bible Faith in Light of the Cross. And I'm glad you've tuned in whenever it is you find us online on the YouTube channel, possibly Curtis Hutchinson 316 or the Pastor Curtis Facebook page. You can even find these all the teaching sessions that we do uploaded later to the crosswaychurch.com website. And also, we always uh, broadcast live in audio form on the Spreaker app. My channel is for those who have ears to hear. And or you can just type my name in, Curtis Hutchinson, and you can find us sharing the Word of God. This is really uh, like a Bible college. It really is. You can take notes, follow along in your Bible, and, 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 and write your comments or questions there and, and on the Facebook page. And, or you can send questions or comments to the Curtis Hutchinson at att.net email, and we'll respond to you. And we're just so thankful again to be here on this seventh day of May in 2021. And uh, before we get started this morning, uh, uh, just yesterday and today only, only yesterday and today are we offering uh, this coffee mug that says, We March On. Curtis Hutchinson Ministries is at the bottom of it. And uh, for a gift of $50 or more, a donation to this ministry to help us do what God called us to do, you can get this mug and every morning when you put whatever you put in it, you can remember to pray for our ministry as we preach the message of the cross, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We continue to march on as onward marching Christian soldiers. All throughout the ages, the message of the cross has come on the scene, but you wake up one day and you, it's gone. This is a message that the enemy hates. It's what crushed his head, took his authority away, took the power of death away. It's what saves the lost and it's what teaches the saved how to live saved with victory over the sin nature. It is the message of God, the testimony of heaven. It is the message the Lord himself came running into the Garden of Eden to find man and the woman he created in his own image to preach this message to them. This is the message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So uh, for that gift, and that, now it's after midnight uh, tonight, the offer is off the table. It was only yesterday and today for a gift of $50 or more. You get your mug, not only the mug, but a CD copy of the message I recently preached called Blameless Before God. Powerful, powerful message from the Lord speaking uh, on this level that God doesn't condemn his people, but he does blame us when we are uh, giving the enemy occasion, when we are uh, leading people the wrong way. Very, very uh, wonderful message. The Lord moved upon many hearts on that message. So Today is the last day for the gift offer. Make sure you give at the, at, at, on the PayPal, at, through PayPal at thecrosswaychurch.com and put in there what it is you're after. Put in the comments that you want the free product offer and also on when you text your giving to the number uh, 903-231-5950. Make sure that you click on that number, the special gift or product, whatever it says, the special gift. And uh, we will uh, get that to you. And there's o there, it's limited. There's only a few of those. And so I encourage you to get yours today so you can remember to uh, pray for us and just uh, be blessed. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 8 is where we'll begin today. Again, this is Bible faith in light of the cross. Everything has to be in light of the cross or it won't be understood properly. It won't be able to be imparted properly by the Holy Spirit because only through faith in the cross, which is the righteousness of God declared and offered to men initially and daily for the fruit bearing of his righteousness there and there alone, nowhere else. I can't become righteous through faith in anything other than the cross, I can't bear forth the fruits of that righteousness outside of faith in the cross today. 
Not because of faith yesterday or faith that might be tomorrow. Now faith is. I, I, let me say it again. There is no such thing as the existence of the uh, being righteous or the experience of bearing its fruit without faith in the cross. Therefore, all because we know now through the study of God's word in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 8, that all of God's words are in righteousness and his righteousness is only revealed in the gospel. Confirmation of what we just said. Therefore, there can be no understanding like we need it of God's word. There can be no proper impartation of God's word outside of faith in the cross. Therefore, we look at everything, not just because we got in through the blood, but today, right now, in every Bible study, in every message, in every spiritual aspect of Christianity, we look through the blood or we do not see properly. Our vision is blurred and it will not work out for us. We'll have to learn how Listen, instead of learning how to live for God, we'll spend our whole lives learning how to fake it. Some people, millions, are in the process of, of becoming professional fakers. We need to learn how to live in victory, how to bear forth the fruits of God's righteousness. And it's only through faith in the cross, not saying I believe in it, but Believing with the heart that Christ died for me at Calvary. I died with him, was buried with him, and the life I live now resurrected with him, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's given us that measure of faith that we'll be getting into that aspect of this teaching later and it'll be one of the most exciting, exciting uh, portions of this uh, teaching session about that measure of faith and the faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave himself for us. But as you'll remember last week, we, we endeavored to enter into the parable of the sower and the seed. And it's so important that this portion of scripture here, uh, when we're talking about faith, all the Bible really, it, it, Paul, I mean, we preach the whole counsel of God and not the message of the cross and the whole counsel of God, but the message of the cross as the whole counsel of God. And, and so uh, Paul said, what we preach is the word of faith, not what men have turned the word of faith into, but Paul preached the message of the cross, that which brings faith to the table and allows you to, to mix faith that comes with the word of God. And, and, and it has to be kept. It has to be valued enough to be kept or the enemy will steal it. We'll see that. But this morning as we move back into Luke chapter 8, it's where we will be, but I want us to talk again just for a moment about what happens in Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 10, and then we'll come back to what's between those two chapters in 8 and 9. In Luke chapter 7, and remember, this is a, a portion of Scripture where, like many others in the ministry of Jesus, this is a portion of Scripture where everything Jesus is doing is either leading up to his verbal teaching, attempting to impart into the hearts of men the truths of who he is and what he was really here for and, 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 and the power of who he is. Everything he did would be leading up to something that would take place and then everything after that would point back to that and he wants us to grab it all, to grasp it all along the way and we don't lose anything. So in Luke chapter 7, we see Mary Magdalene at the feet of Jesus washing his feet with her tears and her hair. And in the same company, those who actually invited him into their house, the Pharisee Simon, they're standing by some of his comrades there. And in their hearts, they're saying, he's surely not, a, if he were a prophet, he'd know what manner of woman this was. So what they're really saying is, he's a fake He's a fake. 
That's what they're thinking. He's not really a prophet. If he were, he'd know who this, what kind of woman this was that was doing that. Well, before the story's over, Jesus tells her that she, her faith has saved her from her sins. And he's, he's letting her know she was doing the right thing and he's letting them know they're not doing the right thing. They're still standing around trying to figure out if he's the Messiah. She's, she's bearing witness. This is the man. This is the Savior. This is the Christ. I'm worshiping him. He's cast devils out of me. I'm worshiping him. I hope... I see so many in church today still standing around trying to figure out, is this Savior, is this Christ, is this Jesus really worth my hands up, my voice to be singing, my hands to be, be clapping? I see many today still trying to figure out if he's worthy to be worshipped. Then we jump all the way over to chapter 10 in Luke and we find another Mary... Martha's sister sitting at the feet again, someone at the feet of Jesus, just soaking in his teaching, just uh, giving him full attention, adoration, worship, just, just listening to him teach. And again, someone else in the company there thinks she ought not be there, that she ought be up helping her do all that she's doing. And to the point Mary, I'm sorry, Martha even asked Jesus, please tell her to get up and help me. Again, there's always a deeper thought than words that take place. Martha's thinking Mary shouldn't be at the feet of Jesus. Mary should be helping her do all her works in preparation and all her things that have an appearance of looking good. Let me tell you something, folks. I believe Martha loved Jesus. I believe she did. I know she did. I believe Martha thought Jesus was the Messiah. But I believe we could probably use this story of Martha and Mary <coughs> as we look farther ahead to the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation chapter 2. How what they were doing was right. What Martha was doing, nothing wrong with what Martha was doing. There was just something else Martha should have been doing. There was another way of what Martha was trying to accomplish in all her works. She should have been doing it another way. And Jesus tells Martha, Martha, you're... You're troubled, you're cumbersome, you're, you're troubled about much. But Mary has chosen the right part and it won't be taken from her. You have to understand, Martha was serving Christ but in her own way. And again, we could look ahead to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. Mary was there experiencing that first love. Now, this doesn't mean dishes don't need to be washed, meals don't need to be prepared, but this does mean that we have to function at the feet of Jesus. We have to function in that first love or even all that we're doing that are good things and right things may not be from the right motive. And it's not the right motive when we see someone else worshiping and we think they ought not to be doing that. They ought to be, they ought to be doing what we're doing. Jesus said Mary's chosen the right part and it won't be taken from her. So Jesus was saying Mary's doing the right thing. In both cases, both of those stories, Luke 7, Mary Magdalene, Luke 10, Mary the sister of Martha, Jesus telling they're doing the right thing. You know what he's saying? You guys are not. It's time to do the right thing, church. It's time to come back to the feet of Jesus. It's time to come back to the foot of the cross. It's time to come back to faith in that which saved us so that faith can take hold of our hearts again and carry us to the finish line. Glory to God. But right in the middle of Luke chapter 7 and Luke chapter 10 are chapters 8 and 9. And Luke chapter 8, watch this. Now, not only is the parable of the, the sower in the seed 
But in Luke chapter 8 is also when Jesus' mother and his brothers are trying to get to him and they can't get to him. It's so crowded. They cannot even make it to where he's at. It's so crowded. So they just send word through the ranks. And, and when word finally gets to Jesus, he says, uh, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. See, he's still talking about what faith does. He, he was showing what Faith does in the story of Mary Magdalene. It, it stays at the feet of Jesus. It worships. It cries. It, 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 it tends to the things of Jesus. It's a place of worship. No matter who's looking, faith is going to be at the feet of Jesus. He, he's leading up to this teaching of the sower and the seed through what happened between the Pharisees and Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. We'll get it right in a minute. But not only in chapter 8 is the parable of the sower and the seed and, and Jesus telling all those around him upon re receiving word that his mother and his brothers were here to see him and he says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This is all in chapter 8 now. Also in chapter 8 is when he takes his disciples across the lake. They're going across the lake to reach the other side and a storm comes up and they get terrified and have to wake him up. You know the story. And he says to them, where is your that's right, you got it. Where's your faith? And I hope you're taking notes today. I hope you'll go back and look at all these things. Also the story is in chapter 8 when they get to the other side and there's the guy living in the graveyard that chains can't hold him. He can't be around people. People can't be around him. He's got snot and puke all over him. His hair's a mess. He's controlled by 2,000 demons. That's what, when asked what his name was by Jesus, he, the, the demon said, we are legion. A legion typically is known as a, a legion of, of soldiers, 2,000. He was full, to say the least, of the devil. That's, this is in chapter 8. And Jesus does everything he does also by faith. Everything he's doing is by faith. Jesus Christ lived by grace through faith just as it has to be for you and I. He showed us the way. He lived by grace, which is what he was hearing his father say to him and do in him by faith in that, and he carried that out. Jesus said, I don't do anything. I don't say anything unless I see my father do it, unless I hear my father say it. He lived by grace through faith. So he, he also here in chapter 8, we read about cast the legion of devils out of that possessed individual living in the graveyard there. Not only that, but he heals the woman. Here we read it in chapter 8 also of the woman with the issue of blood. All this is in chapter 8. And I'm telling you this today, bringing it to our attention, because it's before Mary Magdalene is at his feet by faith, knowing this is the Messiah, while those... Others are standing around still trying to figure out is he the one or prove why he's not the one. And in Luke chapter 10, after all this that we're going to talk about today, in Luke chapter 8 and 9, there is Mary, the sister of Martha, at the feet of Jesus. Again, Jesus telling Martha when she's griping about what Mary's doing, she's doing the right thing. Martha's still trying to figure out, is he worthy enough just to let all that go and to be at his feet? <laughs> we still, you got, you got millions of Christians on Sunday still trying to figure out, is Jesus worthy enough for me to drop everything that's had my attention and just go gather with the people of God and worship? You still got millions of Christians still trying to figure out, is this Jesus worthy enough for me to get that Bible off that bookshelf, off that fireplace mantle, out of the closet, off the dash of the car, and really give him time, my time, to study his word? You still got millions of Christians who gather, and they're still trying to figure out if Jesus is worthy enough to lift their hands in worship, to sing praises, to clap their 
their hands, to shuffle their feet and to gather together in his name and fellowship. You've still got millions of those professing Christians who are trying to figure out is Jesus worthy enough to give their lives to, their lives to. Oh, we say we've given our heart to Christ long ago, but it doesn't appear he still have it in millions of those professing Christians. There's no need to stand around any longer and wonder why those are lifting their hands and those are crying tears and those are being students of the word. There's, listen, Quit trying to figure it out. Let today be the day that you have made up your mind and you've chosen this day to serve and to worship your God with all of your heart. For it's only when you seek Him with your whole heart that He declares you'll find Him. Half-heartedly, there's no telling what you'll find. I need to say that again half-heartedly seeking God. There's no telling what you'll find. Oh, maybe more of you. Maybe some false doctrine. But it's when you seek Him with your whole heart. It's when you sell out and diligently seek Him that you'll find out He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Glory to God. It's time to make up your mind, church. He's worthy for the hands to be lifted, for the testimony on your job. He's worthy to be in church every Sunday morning. He's worthy for the study of His Word. He's worthy to reach in that pocketbook and bring a tenth of all He's given you. And it's called the Holy Tithe. Quit trying to figure it out and sell out to Jesus. Hallelujah. We have stories here in the Bible that show us He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God that became the Lamb of God to, to carry out the fulfillment of the word of God so that we could become the children of God and glorify God even through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's time to sell out, make your mind up, quit looking around to see who's not so you won't have to and just look at those who are and know that Jesus is a Approval is upon those that are worshiping him before men, serving him before men. He says, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you. When my father, when I come, I'll be ashamed of you in the presence of my father and the holy angels. You don't want that. You want to sell out today. Hallelujah. We're learning about faith. Faith sells out to Christ. Faith follows Christ. Faith hears what the word of God says and becomes a part of the family of God. Jesus said, my, my mother and my brothers hear the word of God and do it. Hallelujah. That's in Luke chapter 8. Let me say it again. The wonderful, beautiful words of Christ. My mother and my brothers. Jesus said, my family are those who hear the word of God and do it. Not those who stand around and, and tiptoe around and, 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 and try to figure, until you figure out he's worthy, you, you're going to keep standing around watching everybody else. You're going to stand on the banks of the shore of this great sea of love and, while, and you're going to watch everybody else swim. You're going to stand on the sideline and watch everybody run the race. It's time to get in the river. It's time to get in the race. It's time to get in the fight. It's time to sell out to Jesus. Hallelujah. It's time just to say right now to make that decision. I'm tired of being ashamed of the gospel. I'm tired of, of putting all these things before you, Lord, that I put before you. I come to you today with a heart of repentance. I'm so sorry, God. I put myself first above before you and all your plan for me. I have moments every once in a while I feel your conviction but 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 that's the end of it I, I never repent I never allow you to convince me that I've been wrong not just that I've done wrong but that I've been wrong I've I've believed wrong I've not given you the place of authority and preeminence in, in my life as I should and I know there are some watching this it may not even be on this day but you'll find this video on a certain day and the Lord is reminding you and calling you convicting you and wanting you to realize that you've got to live by faith 
to be considered the family of God. You've got to believe upon Jesus Christ and you've got to follow Jesus Christ. There are many that begin to believe and that's what the parable of the sower is about in the first three grounds are those who started but they couldn't finish. And it's not what the false men and women of the uh, unconditional eternal security and the, they say that those people were never saved. That's, the Bible doesn't say that. And we'll look at that a little more in, in depth. But this chapter, this eighth chapter of Luke uh, is, is located specifically where it is by the Spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God so that we can understand Jesus in, in the situations before, the situations after, and the teachings right in the middle is all to teach us about faith, how to live by faith, about true biblical faith and, and not what men have written about all out through the ages and there's thousands and thousands of books written about faith and, and, and listen <coughs> it's they're all wrong if they don't point you to the cross you see it's not just what's written Jesus is the living word of God and there is a written word of God but if they're not in the context with what Jesus did at Calvary there will be no light for our hearts. And what we're calling light will really be darkness. For God's word is truth. But truth reveals righteousness. Proverbs 12, 17. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. And without that righteousness as the fruit, the light's not there. The, right, the light will not be there if it's not the fruit of righteousness, which is the fruit of Christ and what he did at Calvary. So here in Luke chapter 8, we are going to look at the rocky ground today. We looked at the wayside ground last week. Go back. I'm not recovering that. Go back. You can find it on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. The website, thecrosswaychurch.com, or my Pastor Curtis Facebook page, or again, you can listen on the Spreaker app, and our channel is for those who have ears to hear. There's over 700 gospel-centered, cross-centered messages there for you to freely partake of. In verse 6, Jesus is telling the parable of the sower here in Luke chapter 8, and some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, notice the word sprung up. The seed sown is the word. And when it was sown in the heart, it sprung up. It sprang up. It tells us. But it withered away because it lacked moisture. And you look at verse 13 when he begins to explain the parable, this particular portion of it about the, the Word of God that falls on the rocky heart. That it, it went in the heart. Let's make sure we get that. It went in the heart. The Word of God goes in the heart. When people hear the Word of God in its gospel context, it goes in the heart of man. Because there's where we do what we do with it. We either believe it, which the Bible calls mixing faith with it, and that means there's now movement ahead in the right direction. And we see that taking place. Look, If, if, you, if you look back in, in verse 13, I'm, I'm sorry, in verse 12, the devil is able to take the word out of the hearts before they believe it and are saved. But it goes in the heart. When men hear anything, it goes in the heart. When they see a billboard on the side of the road, those words, it goes in the heart. Jesus said, though, it's not what goes in the heart that defiles the man, but what comes out of the heart. It's not what's written on the billboard that defiles the man. It's what, when those words go in the heart, what man mixes, what man does with that, those words that brings about the issues of our life. <coughs> Amen. But verse 13, they on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy. 
Joy. Praise God for this great word. It's changed my life. And these have no root. They never begin to be established, rooted in the truth, rooted in the righteousness of God. They, they don't take root, which for a while they believe. Do you see that? Throws completely out, refutes. The once saved, always saved. And how They say these people really weren't saved. No, they believed, and all you have to do is believe the gospel to be saved. All you have to do is believe the gospel. If you don't believe that, then you are of works, and works are not of grace. For works, we're not saved by works if we think we are. <coughs> it throws out the doctrine of grace. It's one or the other. And it's only we're saved by grace through faith, not works. Anybody trying to work their way into heaven, and many are that don't even know they are, are only eliminating themselves from the very possibility of their entrance into the place they think they're working their way into. When we think we can work our way into heaven, the place we wake up and find ourselves one day will not be the place we thought we were working our way into. <clears throat> if it's our works, hell is the destination. If it's faith in Christ finished, completed work at Calvary, it's heaven, it's with the Lord eternally. Hallelujah. Watch now. They on the rock are they which when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while they believe and in time of temptation, the testing, they fall away. That's what the word temptation means. All faith will be tested. Because when you believe the word of the Lord, when you're believing the word of the Lord, the devil's got a word for you that's coming soon. He's got, wherever there's a move of God, you can count on the devil coming right in and there's going to be a move of the devil. And as we said last week, how he steals the word out of the heart, that verse 12, that wayside ground, he can't just walk up and take the word away from you. He has to offer you a lie and you take it that's where the swap comes in. He takes the word, the truth, out of our hearts when we accept his lie. Look back to the Garden of Eden. It's never worked any other way than that way. The devil showed up and told a lie, called God a liar, told a lie. They accepted it. They lost the truth. They lost It's never worked any other way. And tests will come. Temptations will come. And here they say, though the word is entered into their heart, though they had joy, though they believed for a while, they fell away. That means they no longer have what they had. They fell away. Now I know we can be tested. And we can even change the object of our faith. And we can begin to trust in ourselves and trust in all sorts of things. I've been there and was there several years. That's called being a prodigal. That's called being a prodigal. And the Lord today is calling those prodigals home. He's waiting for those that have fallen away to come home to come back to that place of joy, to come back to that place of believing, come back to that place of hearing again. I always bring it up. Read about the church saved, born again, spirit-filled, blood-purchased church of Sardis, not lost people in the midst like the once saved, always saved, unconditional, eternal doctrine, false doctrine. People try to say, well, it's false. You can hear and believe and have great joy and fall away. It's in your Bible. And the church in Sardis were no longer walking in the place they could hear and receive of the Lord, but they thought they were. They had a name that they were alive, but they were dead. They weren't bearing fruit of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it. 
He won't call you dead if you're bearing fruit. You're dead. The only reason and the only way a Christian can be considered dead by the Lord is if we're trusting in something other than the cross of Christ, that which made us alive keeps us alive in the fruit-bearing place. You think about these things. Those who have an ear to hear will consider what's being said. Again, the Lord is calling those who've fallen away to come back out of the pig pen and back into the arms of the Father. Let's read it again. They on the rock are they which when they hear, they receive the word with joy, and these have no root because... Although they believed for a while in time of temptation, they fell away. There was no root. There, there was no moisture. There, there, there was no watering of what they believed with the Word. They fell away when they were tested. Every Christian will be tested for the purpose of showing them, us, us finding out just how real this what we call faith really is. We need to pay attention to what's being taught here. Faith is a move of God that moves us in the will of God according to the word of God that we might glorify God, which is the fruit he's looking for. Fruit Jesus taught in John 15, fruit that remains, not fruit for a season and withers and now it's gone. It's fruit that remains that glorifies our heavenly Father. Read it. It's in, in John chapter 15. Every branch in me that bears not fruit is taken away. And I know the heretics have changed that to mean some of the most profound, ungodly natural, physical, fleshly things with no scriptural background, no scriptural confirmation. Jesus is the true vine. We are the branches that have been grafted into him, Romans 11. We've been grafted into the true vine because of Israel's rejection and unbelief. We're branches. And as long as we keep believing in Christ, who he is and what he did at Calvary, I'm not talking about some nonchalant faith. I'm not talking about some experience years ago. I'm talking about today. Now faith is. Not yesterday, tomorrow. Now faith is. The very substance of what I'm believing and hoping for. And it is the evidence of what I can't see. I'm living by faith. Faith in Christ as the Son of God and what He did for me as the Lamb of God. That's where our faith has to be or it's really not even in the Word of God. Even though we might quote it all day, every day. I know I, I read many books. I can hold up a book this thick right now. It's here on my desk by a man's name that some of you would know. It's not a household name. And he has so much knowledge, but he doesn't know even properly. He doesn't have the proper knowledge on how to return to your first love. says that by doing our first works, that's how we repent and get back to our first love. Let me remind us about the church there in Ephesus, and I'm teaching on this presently on Wednesday nights. Just a little break-in nugget here. Returning to our first love means returning to a proper faith. And it's not about doing to get back to our first love. We have to get back to our first love because that's where the first works are. We don't start doing works to get back to our first love. Listen, the church in Ephesus, Jesus said, was doing all the right things. So it's not about doing to get back to our first love. It's about what the object of our faith is. Then, when it becomes the sacrifice of Christ again, and we're in that 
Mary Magdalene position at the feet of Jesus, that Mary, the sister of Martha's position at the feet of Jesus. And we, we, we've given in to, and we're operating from this base of love. I, that relationship we had with Christ at the beginning, that which began the works, listen, of the Holy Spirit before it just became proper works that should be being done, but it was just us doing them. First love, first works take place only at the feet of Jesus and that's not some feeling or emotion. That's faith in the sacrifice of Christ, who He is and what He came to do. Pharisees, they were still trying to figure it out in Luke chapter 7 while Mary Magdalene, she's got it figured out. Martha's still trying to figure it out to some degree. Mary, her sister, had it figured out. You know they got it figured out when they're at the feet of Jesus, when they're just trusting in the words of Jesus. And it's not saying we do. It's not going to church and doing all these things. It's following Christ. It's being a worshiper through obedience to Christ. It's not just about going to church with hands lifted high because the music's good and tears rolling down our face. You've heard me tell the story before of a church I used to be in and there was a Muslim in that church. We didn't know he was a worshiper of Islam. We thought he was a Christian. But after several weeks of being in that church, hands lifted high, tears rolling down his face, he said after church to me one day, Curtis, you know our, 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 our book... The Quran is just like your Bible. And it shocked me. Been there for weeks, worshiping, crying with us. And I said, well, I'd like to talk to you about that sometime. So we came to the office and we talked two, two and a half hours. And when he left the door, through the door that day, left the office, he turned and looked at me and said, I, I just can't call Jesus Lord. I can't say he's God. And I said, well, I just wanted you to know that he is according to our Bible. According to the Word of God, he is. So he left that day knowing that his Koran, it's not like our Bible. But see, the enemy tries to infiltrate him. And if, and, and if the gospel, the message of the cross had been being preached in those services all those weeks he was there, he would have either gotten saved Oh, he, he would have left a whole lot quicker. But there was just a feeling of worship and emotions of worship and we've got to have more than that. That's not at the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus is a heart to be taught by Jesus. Jesus again says in Luke 8, my mother and my brothers, my family, the family I'm here putting together are those who hear the word of God and do it. Not those who cry all their life because they, they won't. Those who accept the word of God as reality, settle it in their hearts and believe it and refuse to let it go. Refuse to worry about the naysayers that say if he really was a prophet, we know he's the prophet and the son of God. Refuse to look out and see our, our, our relatives uh, washing and cooking and, and doing all the things and trying to condemn us, make us feel condemned for not being involved in all they're doing while we're at the feet of Jesus. We've made up our minds. He's the one to follow. We've made up our minds. He's worthy of obedience to His Word. We long to learn more of God's Word to be found following Christ. In those things, we're learning by faith. Church service is just not enough. We need a daily Jesus, an all-day Jesus, an all-night Jesus, a, a, a never-leaving Jesus. A, we don't need a bits and pieces. We don't need occasional appearances. We need the everlasting presence of the Lord. And that's what we actually have if we'll awaken to the reality of who He is, what He's done, and where He is in our hearts today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
This parable goes on in verse 14. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard, they also heard. They go forth, but yet they're choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. He lists three things there. Cares or riches or pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to completion. There's fruit that they believed, but when they go forth, they're choked with cares. They love their lives more than they love the Messiah. If we're still making excuses for anything we're found disobedient to in the Word of God, we're still trying to make up our... Oh, we might say all the right things. And we might cry tears. Esau did the same thing, but he kept being rejected by God. Hebrews 12 tells us he kept being rejected by God. Why? Because he wouldn't just subject himself to faith in the Redeemer. Tears, crying, not going to get it. God looks upon the heart, 1 Samuel 16, and it's in the heart. It's with the heart men believe unto righteousness. It's also in the heart where that word of faith given to us is stolen. It, it's in the heart where we just let... It's, it's also in the heart where the cares of, of this life, the riches and the pleasures of this life come in and, and allow the fruit-bearing process to cease. Where are we found today? If we're found in a place of conviction, no, it's not God condemning you. <clears throat> it's not this preacher condemning you. It's the Holy Spirit. You got to be careful because when God starts moving on your heart, the, the devil's going to start whispering lies to you. Well, nobody's perfect. I get it. That's a fact. But Jesus is and his way is. His word is. We're not going to be like Christ till we get there. The devil will tell you factual things if he knows it'll keep you in a non-fruit-bearing place. But we don't live by facts. We live by truth, which allows us to receive faith. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Yet Jesus Christ is our life. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, or it's not life. Think about that. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God if we believe in Christ. But yet Leviticus 17.11 says, the life is in the blood. You've got the Word of God. You've got Jesus as the living Word of God. And you've got what He did at Calvary, the shedding of His blood. You can never separate those three things. When you do, you've got chaos and confusion. And your whole life, you're going to wonder why things aren't working out. And you're practicing and becoming a better and better faker. It's called religion. You have before you the opportunity to have a real relationship with Jesus, not based on what you say, what you think on your own terms, although many do that today. But you have the Word of God. You have a Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, that gave His life for you at the cross. You've got the written Word of God. And you've got, if you're a Christian, Christ by His Spirit lives within your heart. We just need to reach the point on this day, today, that we ask God to forgive us for so many things we put before Him. And we need to get beyond the point of still trying to figure out, is He worthy enough to sell out to? Is He worthy? You know the old story of a man who's, 
on the edge of a mountain and there's a, a, a cable running all the way to the peak of a, another mountain hundreds and hundreds of a few thousand feet away. And he, and just one cable. And he walks across that cable with a wheelbarrow. And he comes back and when he gets back there are people looking at him and cheering him on saying, that was awesome. Do it again. Do it again. He says, you really want me to do it again? And the people said, yeah, do it again. So he takes the wheelbarrow and he walks back across the cable again all the way to the other peak on the other mountaintop. And then he turns around and he comes back. And, he's, and there's, now there's hundreds of people there blown away. Can't believe this guy's doing this. He says, do you want me to do it again? And they said, yes, do it again. He says, you believe I can do it again? Yeah, we believe you can. We believe it. So he walks all the way across with his wheelbarrow again, and he comes back. This time, there's a few thousand people there gathered. The newscasters are there filming. Oh, it's, it's a huge thing. It, now it's on television worldwide. This guy's walking across this cable, across this great ridge, thousands of feet from one mountaintop to another on a cable pushing a wheelbarrow. Just his feet and that front and that wheel on that wheelbarrow. And by the time he gets back, there's thousands of people there. The news uh, offices are there with their cameras. It, it is a huge thing. And he looks at the people and they're all cheering. And he says, do you believe I can do it again? And they say, yes, all with one voice. Yes, we believe you can. Do it again. And he looks at one particular man who's going, I believe, I believe you can. And he looks at that man and he says, okay, sir, I want you to get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> and the man says, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going to be a part of that. No, no, no. Because the man really didn't believe, really didn't believe he could do it for sure again. If he did, he'd have gotten the wheelbarrow. Believing is becoming a part. That's faith. Faith is a move of God moving you by grace, which is what a move of God means, God doing something in you, God moving you forward into His will so that it can be His fruit, His name magnified. Others be encouraged, edified, and blessed through watching a faithful God reflect His faithfulness through your faithfulness to Him, to others. Faith is a move of God that moves you into the will of God. Those that are my family, Jesus said, are those who hear the word of God and do it. Remember what he taught in Matthew 7, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of the Father. It's not us doing anything that gets us to heaven. That's not what Jesus meant. He meant that those who really believe in him are going to be found doing the will of the Father, hearing from the Father that's speaking to us in these last days by His Son, the one we claim we believe in. But millions say that and they're not following Him. They're, they're not found in obedience to Him. They're living for God on their own terms. In this 14th verse, let's read it again. That which fell among thorns are they which, when they heard it, they went forth. Hearing this gospel good news, it sent them forth. But they got choked up with cares, riches, and pleasures of this life and brought no fruit to per perfection. They had fruit but even the fruit they had never ripened to completion, to perfection. I have a couple of peach trees. I've got little peaches about this big right now. I noticed yesterday when I was walking around in the yard, a couple of them have already fallen off the tree. They never made it. I don't know if the wind blew it off or if a bird landed on it and made it fall. I don't know, but it didn't make it. It, you know why it didn't make it? Because it's no longer attached to the vine. 
It's no, actually, the fruit is no longer attached to the branch that's attached to the vine. Is this where the Lord has maybe found you today? You know that you're a branch. You're a Christian. You, you've been bought with the blood of Jesus. There was that moment when you believed upon Christ. You heard the gospel. It entered your heart. You received it with joy. But yet today, you've been found. During this broadcast, you've been found. Not going the right direction. Not going the way of the Lord. Not functioning according to the word of God as the new Testament church is called to function? Well, the answer is as simple as it was when you first believed. Just simply believe that again. But believe it in the heart and make the decision that this time you're going to keep the faith. You're going to keep the word you're not going to let the enemy steal it because you're going to believe it. You're not going to, you're not going to uh, uh, let the test and the trials that come steal your joy. The joy of having received the word. If we keep believing the word, the joy will remain in our hearts. Hallelujah. But it's faith in that gospel word of truth because Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And as long as our faith remains in that gospel word, that which Jesus did for us at Calvary, then the word of God is going to continue to bring forth the fruit of joy in our lives. And we're not going to let the cares, nor the riches, nor the pleasures, nor the lack thereof to steal the word out of our heart, to stop the fruit that we can have and that can be perfected. We're not going to allow the enemy or our own flesh to steal, to kill, and to destroy our lives. We're not going to any longer be found in a place where we're learning how to be a good faker, a good religious person, but we're today as Mary Magdalene, Mary the sister of Jesus, and many others are going to simply collapse at the feet of Jesus, trust Him and follow Him through faith in His sacrificial work at Calvary. For there's what makes your faith legitimate. There and there alone is what makes your faith legitimate before God. And as long as we keep our faith placed in Christ as the Lamb of God, what He carried out at Calvary, we're going to find a flourishing in the things of the Lord. We're going to find the, the spirit of grace at work in our lives, bringing forth the fruit of our faith. And remember, I've got to close. Time is up already, almost. True biblical faith is a move of God with the fruit of God that glorifies God, that shows us no matter what's going on, all things are working together for our good. No matter the way things appear, no matter the uh, situations in life, faith we have, and John wrote, that faith is our victory. Faith can bring us great moves of God, experiences in Christ, with Christ, by Christ, but faith alone is what allows us to know we have, the, we have, we're not striving for, we have. Faith is our victory. If you have faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary, you already have the victory. Faith, that faith, John again wrote, that faith is how we overcome the world. Everything that attempts to knock us out of the race knock us out of the fight, to, 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 to put us in a place, a non-fruit-bearing place, faith will overcome it. When faith comes, when we mix faith with the Word of God, the gospel truth of God's Word, faith always 
overcomes. Hallelujah. I hope you've been encouraged, blessed, edified, and received something today that you need. And I just believe God's going to impart those things we need even more so as that perfect day approaches. It's coming real soon. Don't forget, today's the last day. You can get the coffee mug. We march on. Curtis Hutchinson Ministries to have so you can remember to pray for us. Remember to tune into the broadcast and you also get that CD blameless before God. God bless you. We love you. Don't forget to sow. You can get those gifts and you can sow your tithes and offerings and donations to thecrosswaychurch.com or you can text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. Make sure if you're texting, you're giving to the ministry that you click the right number to show what it is that you're giving to. We praise God for you and every penny you donate to this ministry as the Lord is doing many great and mighty things here with you through this ministry. Praise God for you. See you next time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.